unmute and all right welcome everybody uh it looks like yeah i think everything looks good uh, as far as i can tell right on uh welcome to another workflow wednesday uh this week we have a special guest oh <laughs> the text under I uh, the text under your name's wrong, <laughs> but I have a W in there. But Christopher Clements with Fix It and Post. Uh, give me just a second, I'll fix. No problem, the, bro. The text. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's better. All right. So. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for joining us uh, this week, Christopher. Um, I, and for I apologize me, for being a little late. Uh, we're just trying to kind of get get a few things fixed up. As you can see, I'm now in my office uh, here at uh, Puget Systems. So getting everything figured out and back into place uh, took a little longer than I had expected. So thank you for your patience. And uh, and thank you again for and for uh, taking the time out of your day to, to join us. So. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Like I was saying, I've really enjoyed the, the workflow Wednesday so far. So I was honored to be to be to be brought in and also to be brought into the office. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping this is the first step in in a, a sort of an incremental improvement in our uh, production quality. So um, soon things will start looking a little nicer. Things will come together a little bit more. I've taken a lot of advice uh, from some of the professionals that we work with um, to try and just make things a little better. That's awesome. Well, hopefully I can come back in a few months or. Or, you know, we can we uh, kind of see see the progression of the uh, the workflow Wednesday stream, and uh, pretty soon you'll be shooting on big cinema cameras and <laughs> blowing everything out of the way. Oh, that'd be super cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So, just I like to start off uh, just in case uh, anybody in the audience doesn't already know, um, give a little bit of an intro: who you are, what you do, um, why you're uh, famous. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I'm famous, but, uh, yeah, yeah my name's Chris. I, I go by Chris. Um, I probably know what most people would know me for is a reimagining of Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, the, the title of that was scene 38 reimagined. And, um, I handled all of the visual effects on that and, um, kind of, that was my baby for a couple of years. And I slowly released updates over about a two and a half year period. And myself and the director, Philip Silvera wanted to remain anonymous for, um, legal reasons that we wanted to make sure we could get the project out, uh, because we obviously don't own the rights to any of these characters. So we tried to stay anonymous until the very end, uh, when we released it. And, uh, so there was a lot of, a lot of questions on who, FX it, fix it in post was. And, uh, and yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm a visual effects supervisor. I do everything from commercial to TV to film, um, or just, just stuff straight to YouTube. Um, but yeah, most people would know me from the YouTube, YouTube channel itself. Right on. Yeah. I, I did take an opportunity to watch through that and, um, the scene 38 and it's incredible. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, it is, um, I like I like some of the more um, I guess modern um, storytelling elements and like how how just more grand and epic the the fight was um, after you guys played with it. It was really cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was that was kind of the goal with that uh, that story is when if you watch the original, it's clearly lacking in like swordsmanship and stunts and. Um, not even just for like today's standards, but also back when. And a lot of that was due to the limitations of the technology. They had to have their lightsabers 
hooked up um like to a battery pack that was like down the sleeve so you can only move they're very very heavy um and so they move very slowly um they didn't really have any stunt stuntmen or anything like that working so um we saw an opportunity after seeing rogue one and the uh, infamous vader hallway scene um which you know chronologically happens very close to the uh the um duel between ben kenobi and darth vader um, and we just thought there was like a big disparity there between kind of like the old man fight that we see um, in the original New Hope version and sort of that crazy, terrifying, uh, menacing Vader who just destroys everything in his path. So we, we, we sort of wanted to bridge that gap while remaining true to the story, but also giving it a little bit of a, an update and a facelift and throwing in a couple of our own um, fun things uh, along the way. Yeah, it was, I didn't know that about the, the original film that that, um, that there was you know, the battery pack and stuff you were talking about. I, I, I always had assumed that it was, um, you know, like maybe just sticks or something and that they, they maybe colored over it later. I know the, the early, um, you know, post-production visual effects stuff was still, uh, you know, a little choppy but uh i figured that was something they could have done um but yeah yeah, it's interesting to know that it was like a a fluorescent tube in a sense like that it was actually that's yeah so it it, um and i can't remember if it was aluminum or it was it was basically the reason they had the battery pack was so the lightsaber would spin and it had a reflective piece of i want to say aluminum but i can't remember but it would spin very quickly and so that would reflect light back to the camera which is what gave it the like that was the original lightsaber uh, glow um, before there was any anything done in post, and so um, that if you if you it can never find a really old version like an original version, you'll see, and you can probably look it up online. There's comparisons to the lightsaber versions throughout the years of the remasters and special editions and whatnot. But the very original one will oftentimes have gaps, uh, like the lightsaber will kind of like flicker off like completely, or you'll see only half, or you can even see some tube kind of breaking when the lightsabers clash together. So, um, yeah, that was, they were still figuring it out. And by the next movie, they had figured out how to do it all in post and they got rid of the, the battery packs attached and, and all of that. Huh. Um, so what, uh, I kind of looked into your bio a little bit. You do sure. a lot of work with, um, you know, television shows. I saw there was like credits for daredevil and, um, Oh, now I'm, now I'm drawing a blank on a few. But you, you list quite a few pretty big name um, credits there. And um, I recall that you're mostly self-taught, like, uh, or at least yeah. early on. Um, what, what, like, what was your first draw into that? Like, why, why did you even want to start getting into this sort of thing? Sure, sure. No, that's a, a great question. I, uh, so I, I took some film class. Uh-oh. Classes in high school, and I was really drawn. What's up? What's up? Oh, it just it, still there? it had a bit of a chunk there. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, so I, I I took some film class in high school, and I did a lot of a lot of comedy stuff. I really enjoyed making short films with my friends, and uh, and once we got to college, our little group sort of disbanded, and I I found out that I was actually really make a comedic. sketch just by yourself oh no my internet connection is unstable let's see oh <laughs> back 
Um, but yeah, so I started trying to get creative and uh, figuring out how I could still make entertaining videos while uh, maybe not able to like bring together the whole group of high school friends that I had back in the day. Um, you know, people get busy and they don't want to just go out and make short films on their free time. At least some people do. I still enjoy it. But um, so, yeah, so that coupled with a buddy of mine coming up and talking to me about creating a little Star Wars short film uh, to enter into. I don't know if they still have these anymore, but they used to do an annual George Lucas Star Wars fan film contest. And they would play that like the winners at uh, like a big either Comic-Con or, you know, one of the, the big uh, conventions. And okay. so that was probably back in, I think, maybe late 2008. And uh, I knew nothing about visual effects, but it sounded like a ton of fun. So we we made our own costumes and we built our own lightsaber props. And uh, we filmed this whole thing with like just sort of, sort of watching a couple Andrew Kramer video co-pilot tutorials. And yep. um which he is uh, probably has had the biggest effect on um, most freelance visual effects artists, if not like like the industry itself. The, na- um, the name has come up quite a lot when uh, sure. we're talking with with um, with other visual effects um, experts and stuff for sure. Yeah, I Big. think there are quite a few of us that owe our careers, or at least a good portion of them, to him. He could be collecting a lot in royalties. I think if he uh, he ever decided to cash in on that. Um, but yeah, so I watched a few. T- tutorials and we went off and filmed it and then i spent about eight months on my off time which was like like any waking hour that i could and sometimes i'd stay up all through the night learning how to rotoscope which for those who don't know that's going frame by frame and drawing masks and yeah and so when you're doing a lightsaber fight and you have four lightsabers that gets pretty tedious over a five or six minute short film um and i didn't know after effects that well at that time and so i would run into all kinds of problems and i'd have to like redo like like whole sequences and it really it kicked my butt for about eight or nine months um, and i think that project was really a good a good way to like start individual effects because i think if i was going to get scared off it would have happened then uh, because of all the headaches and difficulties that come with with this type of work but um yeah we ended up completing it and it became a finalist and they showed it at comic-con and stuff like that and uh it was terrible it was really really bad <laughs> but um i <laughs> yeah well, everybody it, i feel like everybody's first is 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 kind of bad you know yeah yeah, yeah it was more than kind of bad but but it gave <laughs> me uh, a solid foundation for uh for visual effects and not only that but it was it's it's sort of been funny how star wars has like followed me throughout my career um and i think most visual effects artists will will uh do at least one star wars fan film in their uh in their careers because it's sort of a rite of passage. I've, I've happened to have done a couple of them now, so... Yeah. Uh, uh, I did see mention of the Cloud City remake. Did that did that become a thing? I think, Or is that only available through the Patreon? Uh, no. So, um, yeah, so Scene 38 was uh, the, the short film we were just talking about with uh, Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan. I finished that up last May, I believe. I finished oh, it up a month, month. Yeah, I finished up a month before I got married. I promised my wife. I had actually been working on that project as long as I had been dating my wife, and I promised... Oh. Wow. that I would I would finish it before we before the wedding and so so I, I made it by about a month um, and uh, yeah so that that project went up 
in, in May and it, it had a lot of success um, on YouTube and it got ripped and put up everywhere on Facebook and Instagram and all over the place. Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to do another one because of how much work it is. And obviously like there's no, we're not making money off of this. It's just kind of like passion projects. Uh, there's no real monetization on it, but um, a lot of people were hitting me up. Uh, like a lot of people were sending me emails and messages about doing more and everyone has an idea of what they wanted to see next. Um, and this, this actually particular dual, uh, the dual cloud city is probably the best dual in all of star Wars. And most fans are a little wary of like us doing a reimagining on it because it's so good. And I agree. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So, um, part of the reason I chose this one is because there's been some new technology coming out with mocap suits. Oh um, yeah. Okay. And, and also with unreal engine, all of this virtual production stuff. So, uh, so I, I'm listening uh, to all the Fix and Post fans, and I'm hearing them kind of like asking for more. And I'm considering what like I need to be able to like learn something through this because I learned a lot on Scene 38. That was completely shot on green screen, and essentially everything was a digital background except for our our actors. Um, okay. Our, our stuntmen, well, stuntmen and actors, but uh, everything else was was all done in post. And so I started thinking when looking at these mocap suits, I'm like, well, I wonder if we could put our stunt guys in these suits, get get 3D models of, you know, whatever character, and then we can put them in the environment, and then we can orbit the camera around wherever we want. We're not limited to the 2D uh, limitations of green screen, where you can only adjust the camera so much. You can really cheat it, and I did a lot on scene 38, but, but if I wanted a camera angle, like, all the way over here, and we only shot it from this side, it's just not gonna happen unless we reshoot it, where um, if everything, everything is uh, computer generated, then, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. So, so, so with Cloud City, I started thinking about about okay, which which duel should I should I take on next? Because there's there's quite a few fun ones I think that may may come down the road that would be fun to redo um, or reimagine. But I thought, okay, this is brand new technology. I'm I'm kind of dipping my toes into all of this. I want to figure out this world. Let me do something that like I don't need to redo an entire seven minute fight um, like we did with Scene 38, which required so much much um just like new content with cloud city i feel like it's it's amazing as is so as long as i don't do anything too stupid or uh or deviate too far i just kind of insert really cool uh moments i think uh, i think we can kind of scratch that itch for the audience but also i have the time to and and the excuse to learn this new technology um and all of this actually started up last year uh when i started talking with you guys about the the potential of maybe collaborating together on oh, cool. on um, making this this project because I've been a Mac guy all my all my life and I've been terrified of moving to PC um, and because I'm not I'm not really a technical guy with computers I really couldn't like sure, tell you sure. what um, the stats or specs are uh, I can look them up and I kind of understand but uh, it's I'm not one of those guys like oh I've got this tight and this, right. this much RAM and all of that stuff it's just, just 
I think I, I lean more maybe towards the creative and the technical stuff really gets me fuzzy. So um, when I came into contact with Puget, I just thought it was like a match made in heaven because you guys were able to walk me through the steps that I like you answer questions that I didn't even know I had <laughs> to be able to get to the right solution to create the type of content um, that I had been creating, but just on a much higher level uh, right. because this computer, I mean, it just it, it puts a beat down on my iMac, which I spent a lot of money on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and and uh, a quick note on that, I actually put up on my Instagram a comparison of I did a I did an export um, a comparison export of a like a very difficult shot from another short short film, another Punisher short film that I did, and the, the I, I did it a couple times just because I wanted to see what the average was, and I think the average on the Mac was three and a half hours, give or take, uh, for one shot, and the uh, uh, rendering out on the Puget was 22 minutes. Wow. So, uh, I mean, I knew there was a difference, but until I saw that side by side, I had I had no idea. It, it blew me away, um, and I'd been working on it. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, it's been... It's been crazy. It's just been really interesting to see workflows change because of the workstation. I didn't. I didn't quite know how far I was lagging behind, and it sort of makes you feel like, oh man, how many years <laughs> have I lost in render time? It kind of adds up. Um, yeah, that's wow. That that is that is huge. And and I'm kind of I'm really glad that actually you brought up the the virtual production uh, and Unreal Engine and that kind of thing because um, that seems to be kind of where the future is headed. And and as you as you've been kind of dabbling into it dipping your toes in as you said um what what's kind of been some of your hurdles some of the struggles that you've had uh let's see um probably some of the technical side like we were just talking about because unreal is like this um crazy environment that you can do just about anything in so it's like trying to dig in and it, it is a game engine so it's right. it's different than a, a typical 3d program like maya or cinema 4d um, blender even like all of those uh, i have a good understanding of but unreal is just it, you, you got to come at it a little bit differently and so um, learning how to to kind of pipe in mocap data from the xn suits that i have into unreal was a little bit of a challenge in making sure that that was all rigged up but now that i have it kind of flowing well it's it's i don't know it's it's sort of a dream this or put a box in or a new model it, it's uh, outstanding um i've also been digging into the uh more the virtual production side of unreal which um, would be more of like the uh, tracking cameras in real time. So I have, uh, I have one of these HTC Vive pucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, um, my intent is to film all of cloud city, not like, like not with a mouse or anything like that, but to be able to attach this to a, a camera and get real time performance and camera movements. That way it will feel, it will feel alive. It won't feel like a, you know, a typical game cinematic. It'll feel right. like something that we could have filmed ourselves because we did. Um, That's I, um, I follow. Uh, I think his name is Matt Matt Workman. Matt Workman, yeah, he's the man. yeah. And and that's that was my first real kind of look into the and into this virtual production sort of thing and and it is incredible. I, I love the kind of DIY sort of because you have you have 
uh, I've, I've talked about this in, in other episodes where there's, sure. there's there seems to be two kind of paths that you can take with the virtual production. You have like the Mandalorian where you drop a hundred million dollars on these super cool like wraparound screens and things like that. Or you have sort of that that um, that DIY angle where um, it's it's like a green cube and you have these HTC Vive sensors and things like that. And and um, it's it's really neat because it seems like it's very approachable that way. Like I'm I'm thinking, man, I could probably do this in my garage. You almost. could, yeah. And, no, you could. Yeah. And I I just I just love the idea of how how it's kind of opening the doors. Uh, and and this goes for like things like cell phones, cell phone cameras, and the editing softwares like on iPads and things like that. There the barrier to entry is so much easier for video editing, video production, filming. Um, it, it just in general and it's so cool um how do you how do you feel about that like is that i'm blown away and uh i mean one of the the, the biggest things that's sort of wild about unreal is it's free i mean like you, anyone could pick it up most most software uh, on a professional level is not cheap like right you generally don't enter in subscriptions are becoming a little bit more of a norm and so it's allowing that it's dropping that barrier of entry um to a degree but still like you, you have to be pretty invested to drop two three four hundred bucks a month um, and then you start getting the plugins and all of that right. uh, we're with unreal i mean anyone can download it you can start you can use it like to work that day um and then there's quixel mega scans which is attached to them and they provide all sorts of they've gone out and done photogrammetry which is where you go and take you know a ton of pictures of of like you know a rock or, or whatever it is and you create a 3d scan and so it's not actually like it's it is a cg model but it's real so it's as photorealistic as you can get yeah um, and so dragging some of their assets into environments is a ton of fun because you can create a forest or uh you know a quarry or you can create iceland there's a, a really famous uh short film rebirth which was from quixel which is it's like a minute minute or two long and it's just just it's all kind of showing off their assets within unreal engine and how i mean it looks it looks real and uh that came out that came out last year and i think that was also one of those things that sort of like like nudged me into this direction as well as seeing wow like like there's and this is you know evolving daily they put out new iterations of unreal unreal 5 that demo came out and they were right i mean blowing everyone away with that that was th yeah that was incredible especially knowing that it was um it's like current i think that was they said that that was running on um playstation 4 if i remember right or uh or was it four the, was it the five uh now now i'm not too sure but but even still it, it's it's even if it was the ps5 that for a from the pc standpoint that's current generation stuff sure and and it just we're 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 very very close to coming to a point where it's going to be really hard to tell the difference between what's real and what's not yeah that's I, I think we're already there i mean maybe even past there it's it's uh it's really interesting um that that thought it, about about a year ago um 
Well, I'll backtrack a little bit. On scene 38, we had to do face replacements for Obi-Wan mm. Kenobi. Mm -hmm. um, I actually had a little, I don't know if I have him here, but I had, had a little uh, model of Kenobi's head and I did photogrammetry on that to get a, a scan um, of his head and get it into 3D software because I'm not, not a great modeler by any means. So I was like, all right, what's the hacky way of going around this? And um, so I used that wow. and to be honest, sometimes it sucked. It did not work at all. It was probably one of the weakest points for me, visual effects-wise. But uh, it, it was also the most one of the most difficult parts of Scene Thirty Eight. Um, but there are some moments where it actually worked really, really, really well. And uh, after Scene Thirty Eight came out, I started getting hit up by all kinds of people because they thought I'd done deep fake with it. Um, I was gonna ask, yeah. Yeah, and so no, I did it like the the dumb manual way where I'm just going <laughs> frame by frame. It's basically like roto scope and I'm just moving his head a little bit like sometimes I could, I could track it but a lot of times it was uh you know they're performing stunts so you, there's not much to track and you just gotta stuff them in there um, so it was a compliment that they were saying that they thought it was deep fake but I uh, I was actually hit up by lawyers police officers that wanted me to come in and talk about deep fakes because they were running into these problems um in, in a legal manner and they weren't they were kind of looking for experts and I had to tell them I'm sorry like I actually this technology is really only taken to the mainstream in the last two or three months so my workflow was already done at that point um with the face and so i didn't i didn't really jump back in and redo all the phases i left them how they were but uh it was just really interesting to kind of like get those inquiries about you know like i don't know what exactly they're dealing with but i'm sure there was quite a bit of like photo manipulation that they were sure, struggling sure. to be able to tell the difference um yeah so Anyways, I just I thought about that when you were talking about reality, like not being able to tell. And I think deepfake has been something in the last year or so that's really kind of put that on its face a little bit. Kind of kind of cool and, and scary at the same time. Super scary. Yeah, yeah. But really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's always always that knife's edge. Yeah. Um, so since, since you've got a little bit into the Unreal and virtual production sort of aspect um, and have, have kind of overcome some of those uh, early hurdles, uh, what would you recommend for anybody like such as myself, let's say, who, who's gonna get, who wants to get started in it um, to avoid some of the troubles that you had? Where would, where would we go? Sure. How, do, how, do you, how would you recommend people get started? Yeah, so there's, there's there's millions of tutorials on Unreal, and I think probably the first thing that I struggled with was identifying what I wanted to do with the software because it, it's used in developing games, virtual production, um, cinematics for games, or sometimes even just as like previs, uh, like used in previs, uh, and which that's something that interests me as well. But sort of identifying, I think, what you oh in ArcViz they use this in architecture all the time as well, um, and that's like a whole other side. So. I think maybe identifying what you're interested in doing with it would probably be the first thing and then seeking out tutorials specifically to that because you're going to come at that system uh, Unreal very differently depending on what your goals are and uh, when I first jumped in I kind of had an idea but I just I felt like I should just get like a broad overview of everything which was good I think it gave me a better understanding but also um, it took me a little bit while to get to the 
the direction that I actually intended on using. Um, I spent like a bunch of time building out like a first person shooter game, which was really cool, but uh, I, I didn't really have a desire to do that. I just thought, okay, this will give me a good uh, run through of, of Unreal. And it did. Um, but okay. in terms of where to go, I would say first off, on just Unreal Engine's website, they have like a ton of documentation and tutorials. They're putting out webinars daily oh, cool. on different apps like, and stuff. Like specifically for for the production side of things? Everything. They're they're putting it out for everything. It's they're they're a they're a beast. They're awesome. I mean and they're putting so much money into the community too. They have these uh, mega grants where like you can apply if you have like an idea either for a game or virtual production or basically anything you can use the tools for and they'll um, they'll give you a grant for that wow. for that project. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, it's super cool. Wow. That's man, good for them. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Fortnite, they're definitely... Fortnite's helping in a lot of other ways than you might think. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, uh, I personally had never played Fortnite, but um, like I started looking into it after getting into Unreal, and I was like, wow, this, this, this is so weird. How this is funding like like a whole generation of artists right now. <laughs> yeah, which which is really cool because I, I mean, not to get too off track, but I know Epic, um, Epic's the big parent company. Right. They kind of get a lot of flack for some of their practices in in the gaming side of things but it's really neat to hear how they're they're kind of using that and man they, they ought to be getting a little bit more publicity for for that for the good things that they're doing instead of always getting kind of this the flack this negative the negativity from the other stuff like dude it's it's such a it's constantly blowing my mind how people are using you know this tool that used to be just for video games and and are, are twisting it into something so much bigger and better it's really neat yeah the innovation side of it is really um really cool it's i, I think i think we're kind of on the tip of the iceberg of, of seeing the creativity that you know there's just been in this influx of people learning unreal engine so there's going to be a wave i think over the next year or so of people like doing some really fun interesting things with it yeah um, and I think I think it's like the perfect it's like almost a perfect storm too because um, er, you know earlier this year the traditional sort of film production uh, ground to a halt you know people weren't you couldn't go to, a, to the normal film studios and have a you know have a bunch of people on a sound stage or what have you and so so being able to um, to do that some like literally remote uh, a lot of uh, we we've seen um, a lot of animation uh, both 2D and 3D but then also um, just knowing that you know you could put on a mocap suit at home by yourself, run through a few things, send that data to somebody else who's at home, and they could plug it into the virtual environment that they're working on. Um, man, it'd be neat to see that somebody kind of put together an entire film where nobody actually had any sort of like face-to-face, uh, in-person interaction. Maybe. Yeah, and if it hasn't happened, I'm sure it's like being it's like like they're doing it right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 been an interesting time for myself. I've, I've always worked sort of from home. I can, I'll go up for meetings um, or, you know, to be on set or whatever I need to do, like supervising. But then a lot of my work happens just at my computer. So I felt in some ways I was I was 
you know, kind of business as usual in terms of like how often I'm staying home. I, I feel fortunate that I I pre-adjusted to, I guess, the current situation, the norm. Um, I already had a lot of like systems in place for how to work remotely and all my clients are used to that. Um, cool. And that's just because I've always been a freelancer and uh, haven't worked at the studios, which I know the studios have mostly transitioned to at home as well. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting uh, topic. So you see, you see, most of your workflow has been from at home as it is. Um, yeah, yeah. How 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 has that evolved over time? Um, how you know? Was it was it on purpose? Like you've always wanted to, or like? No, no. Uh, I actually, I like I said uh, originally, I, I started kind of like making my own short films and all of that stuff. So. Um, sort of a long story but essentially I started making visual effects short films on YouTube which was always just me I would either clone myself or I do different superpowers and it was a it was kind of a good excuse for me to learn different visual effects while also getting like a little bit of a uh, feedback mm-hmm. and uh, over time that audience grew and uh, people would hit me up for work sometimes and, and some of them were good jobs a lot of them were not uh, one day a, uh, a stuntman hit me up because they were doing a previs for episode seven um, oh. and they needed some help uh, with lightsaber visual effects and so I ended up connecting with them and that team and the director uh, Philip Silvera the guy who directed scene 38 that was my first uh, that's the first time I worked with him and met him and um, and yeah and so so from then that was kind of my in into the film industry because um, I don't know. It, it was interesting. Most people go through the studio system, uh, right. or at least for a little while. But I kind of had this like YouTube straight in. It was like a weird, a weird plug-in, a, a side door um, into the system. But yeah, so through working with him, I started working with uh, other stunt coordinators and meeting other producers, and and uh, just started working on different stuff. And word, word of mouth kind of took over. But it it was sort of the same all the way through. Just me working on my uh, on my computer at home and then if they like needed me on set to the effects supervised I was there but otherwise I was kind of grinding away at my computer um, and and that's sort of where we're at today it, I would right. think I might be on set more just like doing more supervising but right now everyone is very wary there's not a lot of production happening in LA I am working on one project which is in the vein of the Mandalorian with like LED walls and virtual production and whatnot. And, uh, that, that, that project is specific, has specifically happened due to what's going on in the world and needing to limit like travel and going to to different environments and, um, having a ton of crew. It's, it's kind of, they're, they're utilizing the technologies to still be able to create, um, kind of with everything that's happening, which is the cool innovation we were just talking about that. Like there's these tools now that allow us maybe five, 10 years ago, no one's able to do this um, in under these circumstances. So then what would happen? It's just like this, this wave was already coming, but what, what's going on in the world has pushed it so much further. It's thrown gasoline on it. And, right. Um, so what, what's been kind of a, what's been the hardest part about um, working at home all the time? Uh, separation of, I would say, uh, work and home environment. Uh, I think I'm always, I'm always working because I can always just step into my office and, uh, and that's, uh, that's always difficult. I think that work-life balance and, um, I think most like visual effects artists, 
can get stuck on one thing for, you know, days and weeks at a time. So if you just have access to be able to work on that, like at any time, then you will. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so you, you lose out, I think, on some of the uh, healthier balances of life with family and whatnot. Do you have any, um, any say do you like probably, set, do you set a, a very strict window of time or like any tools that you use to kind of say, okay, enough is enough? I try to, and then uh, I get a big project and the deadline <laughs> creeps up on me. And then it, and then all of my little boundaries that I put into place seem to get kicked over. And it's like, well, I guess I'll try next week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I don't know if I have any, any real tools um, to help with uh, kind of the work-life balance, unfortunately. Um, but I will say that the, uh, the new Puget computer renders so much quicker, as, as I was mentioning with the comparison, that I'm not actually sitting around waiting on renders anymore, and that speeded up, sped up my workflow quite a bit. Um, oh, that's cool. My, uh, my wife complains a bit because I used to be able to take scheduled breaks when I knew there was going to be a render, and I could go hang out with her, go out and get lunch or dinner or whatever, and now, <laughs> now a render that would be an hour is done in five minutes, so it's hard to justify walking away. So <laughs> sure. I would say that's the only complaint in that, that uh, shift. Yeah. Uh, another kind of a question. So a little bit more future, future sure. looking, um, in, in terms of your own projects, um, both, both combination of like the new workstation, but also just, um, you know, future technologies. Is there anything that you're super excited to, to kind of play around with, uh, other than the virtual production stuff we've talked about? Is there anything kind of like on the horizon that you are looking forward to? Right. Um, um I, I, I'm so excited about what I'm doing in Unreal, and I feel like I'm just kind of like on the like first level of it. That I think I'm gonna have my hands full there. But I think within that, I bought an XN suit uh, earlier earlier this year, and uh, if, for people that don't know, that's a motion capture suit. And I mean, I could throw that on in my office, walk around, capture data, like you just said. And well, I can work on it myself. I can stream it right into Unreal. Um, but there's some really cool pieces of technology coming out for tracking that so the xns only tracks your body it doesn't track your your fingers there's no face tracker there's none of that um, so i'm really interested in sort of once i master sort of the pieces i have right now or at least get a, a decent workflow which i think i'm getting there um but i want to get some gloves for doing finger data and then there's some really interesting facial capture options including just like an iphone phone 10, I believe, um, or at least one of the newer iPhones that has oh, sure. some technology that you can link directly into Unreal and uh, do face capture and face animations. Cool. So yeah, I've, I've, I've seen. Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I have. I've seen. Um, there's a. I think there's an app you can get on the newer iPhones where it'll yeah. actually show you the face ID data that it captures, like to figure out what your face looks like and everything. And so I imagine it's some uh, kind of a, a connection with that. I think so. I believe so. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't messed with that yet. I'm yeah. trying to still walk before running on, on sure. everything because um, it's a little bit dizzying with all the options. Because I'm also learning the uh, camera tracking portion of that with the HTC Vive. Um, right. And the hope is with all of these things, 
um, to complete the the short film Cloud City, that reimagining is to kind of bring all of these technologies together and do something that is bigger and better than Scene 38 was a couple years ago. Because that that was that was like a big jump in terms of like some of the workflows that I like needed to learn. And this is kind of taking that and taking it maybe two or three levels higher. And uh, so I'm excited. It feels like I'm leveling up here um, yeah. daily and figuring out new things. And, um, I would say, I would say, I would say that, yeah, the motion capture stuff is probably uh, where my heart is at the moment. Right on, that's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with it too. This is going to be really good stuff. Um, Thanks, man. What's, what's been your favorite project you've worked on so far? Oh. And I mean, like, because uh, I know you've you've done some, uh, I guess, bigger name like commercial stuff too. But um, sure. so, like, in the in the grand scheme of it. Oh man, that's that's hard. I've, uh, I kind of I do different types of work. Um, I do a lot of previs work with stunt coordinators. I mentioned that earlier with doing that for um, episode seven, and I've I've been able to work on some really fun shows uh, and like being around stunt the stunt guys and like watching watching them do what they do and and all of that. That's always a lot of fun. I uh, I got the opportunity to to work work. Um, on Terminator Dark Fate uh, a couple years ago and that was a really fun experience just sort of being around all of the crazy rigs and stuff they were doing and um, yeah I, I, I'm trying to think I did a I did a feature film with some friends uh, in 2013 it was like actually the first film I ever VFX supervised and um, my my friend uh, his name is John Hennigan and he's a wrestler in the WWE and he uh, he, he wrote this movie called Boone the Bounty Hunter and it's just about this guy trying to like hunt down um, this drug lord's son and he does parkour the entire time and it's just a really campy movie but uh, yeah for like three weeks or a month we we made this this movie and it was just it was a decent sized crew but like I knew mostly everyone on there and we were all friends and that was a ton of fun that, that might be that might be the top experience um, that was anytime you get to work with people that you enjoy I think like it makes it special whatever it ends up like like you know the end result like you still have those memories and um. right on that's pretty cool let's see let me see if we have any questions from from the sure. chat here uh let's see let's see just here challenging hurdles um where would you point people resources Oh, uh, my boss says Puget Systems work work life ba better work life balance. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's uh, it lets me go to sleep at a normal hour. Yeah. I've heard that um, one of the first, I think one of the first times that really stood out to me of the effect that some of this, this, I guess just better equipment was, uh, was smarter every day. Um, and I remember he was saying, uh, Destin of, of smarter every day, um, saying that, and again, it, it came down to like the, the, the renders, um, that like he was able to have dinner like with his family you know it wouldn't take three plus hours and he wouldn't have to just and there wasn't like the sitting there like looking at it hoping that it doesn't crash or anything and um i like that i, I think that's really those are really 
yeah it's man it's, it's, it's you think about that and even a minute like that adds up over weeks and, and months and, and years but like like some of these, these render times i mean for example on on scene 38 i had a hundred and i think it was 20 green screen shots that uh, in the entire piece and each one would take maybe three to four hours to render wow um, and i'm not gonna lie i i lost count of how many versions i did because i was constantly improving it having worked worked on it over a two and a half year period you're a lot better at the end of that than you were at the beginning so you end up going back through and like like cleaning stuff up and polishing and making sure it's consistent and so um i mean i probably rendered four or five times each like each one of those shots four or five times so 20 hours per shot maybe more and and that's just for render time that's not working on it and how slow that and cumbersome that was so that was a huge kick in the pants to me of like i, I have to make this transition because i'm losing so much time like like you know productivity that's that's money it's either it's either going to be money or it's going to be time with your family and or just time for yourself and uh so like the investment in getting a proper workstation is uh, you really can't i mean maybe you could add it up but i i couldn't it's just i mean well just off the cuff a hundred you said a hundred and how many scenes 120 there's 120 shots and that's, each one took about about four hours three to four hours to render so that's 480 hours <laughs> yeah and then multiply that again by you know the number of iterations that i did and so I, i'm gonna I, I have i have all of those shots on an old hard drive that i need to pull out but i'm gonna do another comparison render on the puget compared to the imac which i did all of scene 38 on and i'm really interested to see uh I'm sure it'll be similar to this uh, this Punisher one that I did, where it's like yeah. ten times, eleven times faster. Oh, uh, let me know. Let me know when you get the results, because I'm I'm always happy to uh, to put our systems up against Apple. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I said, I did one. I put one up on Instagram today, just kind of shouting out this stream, and it was a uh, kind of a uh, you guys were on top and they were on the bottom, and the little render bar is going, and with your guys, I sped it up just so it wasn't the three and a half hour (laughs) video (laughs) i think i spent it up 400 times but like you blink and the puget is done and then you just see this slow bar going for mac even sped up 400 times and since since you have come from a mac uh or i suppose an apple workflow uh has it been has it been a premiere software both ways Yes, or uh, I mean, Adobe. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been it, it was Adobe, which uh, that was always a big concern of mine, and I think mostly an excuse uh, to not not transition to PC. It was like oh, I've got my workflow. It was not a problem at all. Oh, good. I, I, everything came over. Um, there was probably a couple plugins I had to just ask for a PC license as opposed to the Mac, but it was it was embarrassingly easy <laughs> once oh. making that transition um, to to the PC. Like, oh, that's good to hear. And in fact, probably like it ended up forcing me to look at sort of because PC structures things a little bit differently. And I had to like, I had to figure out just where folders were stored and whatnot. Um, and where on a Mac, I would just be extremely lazy and just scatter things on my desktop. Um, I think my, my personal workflow and organization jumped up quite a bit being on PC because I was like, oh, where's this folder? Because I don't, you know, I don't just have it, have it scattered on my desktop. Um, so that was, that was a nice, that was an unexpected benefit as well as just getting a little more organized so I know where things are when I need them. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I would have never considered before. Um, Wow, yeah. 
That's interesting. And I'm happy. To, I'm glad to hear that there wasn't uh, too much of a hassle moving. Because, like, I understand. At least, thankfully, you got to stay within the same software. So, so I mean, maybe some keyboard commands are a little different or some something like that. But uh, um, there have been sometimes like, oh, I used to I used to be in Final Cut Pro, and now I have to go over to Resolve or, or Premiere, and and that's like a whole different. Everything is different. The thing menus. Yeah. Are, you know and so um, um, I guess it's kind of a, a lucky a lucky break that your the the software transfer was the same basically I was always really jealous because it's gotten a little bit better but I, I'd say throughout the years most most like like everything works on PC not everything works on on the Mac and so there would be these amazing plugins I'd see that would come out and I would try and set up a, I think it's boot camp the where you can boot into Windows and it just never seemed to work or it'd be like you know really unstable and I just, I just, I, I was always like kind of standing over there in the corner, like really jealous. I am the PC, but too afraid to, to jump into that world. <laughs> Uh, because I was missing into software, uh, this Xsense suit that I bought does not work on any Apple products. It's, it's oh. only on PC. So I needed to, I needed this system to be able to even run um, the software that that captures all of the data. So it's, it's stuff like that where it's like, oh wow, my world is opening up. Um, not in, not only in terms of the like horsepower in my machine and what I can get done, but also, oh, I look at all these new tools that I have uh, at my disposal. Oh, that's neat. It only wow. took me like 13 years to make the transition, but <laughs> I did. Thanks well, to you guys. Um, hey, that's, yeah, no, that's great. That. Wow. Yeah, that's, I, I, again, I would not have thought that, um, that something like like the 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 suit would have only been, you know, yeah, Windows yeah, compatible. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Yeah, it was uh, that was a real barrier. I was when I was looking at maybe getting one. I was like, oh, this won't work. Then what am I gonna do? Like, I can wear a bright orange suit around, but <laughs> I don't know how much people are gonna appreciate that. And so yeah, the PC was necessary to kind of take that leap as well. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Let's see. Uh, let me see here. Let's see. Anybody else in the chat? No, nothing's still there. Um, let me see. Let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm, I, I feel a little bad now that we're, we're kind of coming up to the end, and I've 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 kind of lost. Um, let's see. I've talked about the future. Talked about hurdles and things. Um, I don't know. Is there anything interesting that's top of mind for you in, in your industry? Like, um, you know, anything like that? Anything cool that that people should know about? I honestly, it would just be the stuff we're, we're talking about. I think. Um, yeah. It, it, I think there's. there's I think there's no reason to not try and learn Unreal um, specifically, which I, I think I'm coming across as an Unreal evangelist, which maybe I am, but um, I'm, I'm jumping into it very freshly like everyone else is right now. Sure. Uh, but I think I think no matter what department, I, the project I mentioned that I'm working on right now, the virtual production one, there I'm talking with the the directors of photography. I'm talking with like stunt people on it. Like everyone is having the ability to step into Unreal and. Um, um, kind of like have a say in, in how this final product will work, which is really neat because a lot of times you're very like separated with your department and then you all come together where Unreal is allowing us all to kind of take a look at it in real time and make adjustments before we even get there um, and shoot. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, how do you think that's going to affect the overall, um, 
I, and I, I apologize, I'm not, I'm not very familiar with the terminology, but I guess the, the whole flow of production, now that everybody can kind of have their, there's well, less of that disconnect. Well, that's a great question because, because for example, my, my business name is Fix It and Post, mm-hmm. and virtual production is mostly done in pre-production. So sure. I would need to change my name to Fix It and Pre. I don't know, this is fun thing that I've been considering because <laughs> I've been doing so much pre, pre-production work with, uh, with this virtual production stuff um so normal visual visual effects you're lucky if you get brought on even on set oftentimes you don't really see a project until post-production on the bigger movies yes but like more on like indies or other stuff you're you you get brought on fairly late into the process if you're on pre-production then that's that's good on the producer and everyone else for like bringing you on board to kind of talk about what's feasible before just filming it and then committing you to it without ever having any say um but now uh being able to like like be a part of the pre-production and creating a lot of these 3d worlds um it's saving it's going to save a lot of time in post because we're sort of doing doing most of our post work in pre-production um oh and I think it may give a better understanding of sort of how visual effects works to all of the other departments because they're going to see sort of the, the they're they're around and you're around to kind of show the trials and tribulations and the difficulties and challenges that like yes we can create anything but <laughs> there's you know there's uh, you know an amount of time that we need or like there's certain limitations that we're working within and I think a lot of times in this industry things are just filmed and they seen like a big marvel movie and they just are like hey like you that's visual effects you can do this it's like well, well i might be a team of one or five or maybe ten um guys they have a team of you know four thousand or whatever so i mean there's there's only so much that we can do here um but i i, I don't know I, I feel like maybe just a better understanding and, and not only from them uh from all the other departments to visual effects but also visual effects to the other departments being able to work with the camera operators and the art department and all of that stuff early on is uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's been really uh, kind of enlightening on how the whole process comes together yeah I can definitely see tell you from from my point of view, uh, getting these little peeks peeks into how things work have, have been endlessly fascinating to me. I'm constantly blown away the, uh, of how much that as a as a viewer I take for granted, but then even still as someone like um, you know I've built the PCs before and I know from a very general standpoint like what can be done with these tools but sure. to, to to hear it from somebody who actually uses them um, is just endlessly fascinating it's I just I'm constantly blown away at um, just every piece of it is has been remarkable I just I, well, I have a lack of words for for it You've been having all of these amazing different artists on. I'm sure it's been, you're like the Joe Rogan of the visual effects world now, bringing on everyone and talking. And it's really neat to kind of, uh, you know, for me to be able to listen to some of these other guys and sort of hear about their journey. I think a lot of our journeys are similar. Uh, you know, the paths definitely intersect. And um, I don't know, it's been really cool. Yeah. Following along. Speaking of, if there was one person that you could talk to like this, who would it be? Some somebody oh 
maybe Joe Rogan. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, Andrew Kramer, the guy we were talking about, who uh, video co-pilot, who kind of mm-hmm. kickstarted all of our careers. He might be a fun sure. guy to. It'd be interesting to to talk to the guy who's on the other side, who yeah. uh, we all talk about. <laughs> that would yeah. be a, a, well, from a visual effects standpoint, that would be really. If, if my boss is still, if my boss is still in the chat, Eric, Eric, maybe we can uh, maybe we can get a big one big epic togetherness with uh, Andrew Kramer and uh, we, everybody can just kind of get together and geek out a little bit because um, yeah video copilot has has come up a number of times and uh, it would be really cool to kind of see where his journey started sure and and kind of where where he might see where the future goes too I completely agree that would be that would be incredible <laughs> yeah that'd be really cool let me see uh, we got a few minutes left uh, let me see. Hmm. One thing. Oh, actually, uh, yeah, you yeah. you mentioned um, uh, the Punisher, the Punisher sure, f- sure. film that you. I I think there was a bit of a crossover there with Corridor. Uh, I think I think they had mentioned and that that hit me like a lightning bolt um, because I think they had it was uh, one of their stuntmen react videos it was that guy um, Eric Linden that's right Uh, and so um, I'm I'm interested but I don't I'm struggling to find a question I'm curious to know how that all worked out and like what what all was involved in that yeah, yeah. Um, so Eric, the guy who didn't stun and react, is, was actually the director of the Punisher short film, and that's oh. actually Eric in in costume. He's playing the Punisher. Um, so I, I've worked with Eric for a long time as well. He oh. he was the Punisher stunt double on the original Daredevil series, and then oh, okay. he was uh, a stunt coordinator on season two of Punisher. And so this short film was actually filmed before uh, before that season of Punisher. It was between season one and two. Um, Eric had a couple of ideas he wanted to try out before we sort of prevised all of the action, and so he we filmed this. And uh, and unfortunately, I've, I've been been a little busy with scene thirty eight and a couple of other projects, so it sat on the wayside. But, um, but yeah, that that project was sort of a culmination of a lot of different Punisher thoughts, and then he was throwing crazy ideas for visual effects my way, and I said, yeah, let's let's do it. I, I I think with my channel, I'd love to be able to bring different stunt coordinators on to, you know, kind of kind of bring their vision to life with visual effects. But we still have all these crazy action and stunt work, you know, happening. So so far, I've worked with Phil Silvera, Eric Linden. There's a couple other projects with other um, really talented stunt coordinators that I'm excited to to put up eventually on the channel as well. Ooh, that would so, be cool. So, so stay yeah, tuned. Fixing Post is kind of like visual effects and action, and hopefully some good story in there as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's 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 great. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. That's really, um, I keep uh, there's a it's weird. I, I I guess I'm not sure how to say this. Like, uh, I guess I almost keep forgetting. Like, you've you've actually like worked on some really big, pretty cool, like big flashy kind of projects and like um and has that has that really all just come from the scene 38 sort of angle 
Uh, no, that was all, um, not, I shouldn't say that was all, but uh, a lot of that was done before Scene 38. Uh, oh. Scene 38 was with a lot of the guys that I work with on a continual basis. It was sort of a side project. Um, the, that, that Phil, who's, uh, he stunt coordinated Daredevil and Deadpool and uh, Terminator, um, I'm trying to think, Pacific Rim Uprising. Um, we've done, and I've, I've been fortunate to be along with him on the team kind of throughout that journey. And so he was the one who originally came up with this idea for uh for scene 38 and oh and yeah so so it was sort of like like let's 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 there's some downtime before between jobs and so uh we we went off and made a made a short film that was i think way bigger than any of us had originally planned or imagined uh, i didn't expect it to last two and a half years but yeah. yeah so um but but the original kind of like like intro into that world was what i mentioned um getting contacted by a stunt guy on youtube way back in the day and uh, I started doing some work on previses and sort of um, started working with different people within the stunt community and that that's gotten me some pretty cool credits um, definitely along the way that is super cool yeah wow and all just from kind of goofing around making short films and stuff that's really yeah man I mean I think we're still doing that it's it's the same thing you just you know hopefully making a little bit more money and <laughs> I don't know you have some more responsibilities but it's it's not a Sometimes I, I reflect on how lucky I feel and, um, you know, kind of doing pretty much the same thing that I was doing 10 or 11 years ago. But back then I was just putting up a YouTube video for a couple thousand people to see. And, uh, and now fortunate to work on some things that, you know, get a lot more eyeballs and all of that. That is, that is really neat. I love, I love, I love hearing that, that kind of the just the journey stories are really always very cool. That's really neat. Like, um, yeah, that's man. Con- I, I just, I just want to say congratulations. Like, really, that's super cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel very fortunate. It's, I, I, I think there was a lot of things that sort of like fell in line that allowed me to, like I said earlier, walk through a kind of a side door into the industry. And uh, I don't, it was not the traditional route, which most people in film don't come in. In, in a traditional way anyways so um right. yeah it, it's pretty cool that i was able to meet some of the right people and um and then put in the work to to be able to work on some cool stuff yeah all right um well that, that does bring us right around to our hour mark so okay. um i think we'll we'll say we'll wrap it up a little bit is there is there anything um oh one interesting question right here at the end just came in sure. from YouTube. Fred Bailey says, Hi, Chris. What other stories or scenes would you be interested in reimagining in the future? Ah. Uh, this one. is a big question from the community. I get a lot. Um, <laughs> there... I, I'm like always uh, wary of, of saying anything because I'm afraid it's a commitment to doing it. But I can list some of the ones that are the most popular, and they also interest me. And um, that would be the uh, Palpatine duel when uh, Mace Windu and some of the other Jedi go to arrest him in mm-hmm. Episode mm-hmm. Three. I think that would be a mo- most fans don't don't think too highly of that scene. So I think anything. It's a low bar, so that would be a, a fun <laughs> one, to, you know, to uh, to improve. Um, I'd say that one. Um, I always thought it would be fun to reimagine the Ray versus um, Kylo, the first scene um, in uh, Episode Seven. I always really wanted to see uh, Luke Skywalker show up in that duel and put a beat down on on uh, Kylo Ren. I thought that would have been pretty amazing. Um, so that that would be 
be one of the other ones. And then I've got some other ideas, but I'm, but I'm like I said, I'm afraid of committing to them because sure. these, these these projects take a couple of years at a time. So I don't want to commit myself too far out. But um, and then there's been some really interesting ideas for reimaginings in other other like movies. And I was going to ask if if there was a non-Star Wars sort of scene that you, that would pop up for you. Yeah, I think there's some interesting ones in Game of Thrones that I would I would, I would think could be a lot of fun. I think there's um, a Lord of the Rings one that, that that I have my eye on. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it would be fun to, to go in. And I love all these these franchises. So I think a lot of people thought I was disrespecting you know Star Wars by recreating, and then they turned out to really enjoy it for the most part. It was mostly positive feedback. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of fun just just creating what you imagine in your own mind, even if they didn't you know capture it. So like the Ben Kenobi versus Vader, a lot of people who grew up with that movie when they saw it when they were five, I think they maybe saw something in their mind closer to what we created compared to what you know the slow fight that it actually was. Um, your mind kind of fills in all those gaps. And makes things a lot cooler so it would just be fun to keep playing with that idea yeah Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, I'm I'm excited to see what you what you guys what you do in the future. I'm I'm definitely hey, gonna uh, what uh, what to oh, what's the line from from Star Wars uh, Episode One? I think it is. Uh, I'll be watching your career with great interest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I guess oh, we'll we'll say uh, we'll wrap it up here at the end. Is there anything anything you want to shout out or mention or any words of wisdom right at the end here that you would like to give? to the audience oh i don't know i think maybe just you know if you're interested in kind of following what's going on i'm, I'm more active on instagram and that's just fix it and post uh fx there's no i there it's just fx it and post and uh i'm trying to get a little more active on youtube but these short films they take so much work that often there's gaps between when they're released so um yeah but if you want to check out the youtube channel that's where scene 38 is and the teaser for cloud city and the punisher short film all of that's there and that's just fix it and post um on YouTube. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's an honor to be here and I appreciate what you guys do so much. You, you've changed my complete like work environment to uh, nothing but the better. So thank you. Oh, well, no, I'm, you're welcome and thank you. Thank you for the kind words. That's that's um, I get a, a little a little blush <laughs> from that myself. That's really cool. And and thank you um, for taking the time out of your day to join us on on our workflow Wednesday and kind of give a little insight into uh, into what you do and all that um and and thank you to the audience as well for joining us um we do this wednesdays and fridays at one o'clock pacific uh wednesdays we bring industry experts like chris here on to um kind of give like i said a little insight into the industry and workflow tips and tricks and things and then on fridays we have a member of our labs team come on and kind of give a answer questions there and and give more more talk about the crossover of hardware and software and how it affects um our side of the industry and uh so be sure to mark your calendars for that sort of thing wednesdays fridays one o'clock pacific standard time um youtube twitter and uh twitch right so um thanks everybody and uh we'll see y'all next time thanks thanks guys guys and switch <laughs>